Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. I am your host, Blythe Brimleave, and since July, I've been planning a road series to conduct interviews with everyone from executives to creators within the logistics industry. It's been a chance for me to move those digital first conversations that I've been doing over the last year and cultivate those lessons learned in the digital first environment to an in-person conversational environment. And the difference between the two has been dramatic. As sort of a peek behind my content creation workflow, I typically over-prepare, like by a lot. But what I quickly learned during this process is that interviews don't need to be as structured when you're sitting face-to-face with someone and simply having a conversation. All of this to say that conversations like what you're about to hear in this episode are as genuine as they come. No questions were off limits and no scripts were read. Just people within the freight world sharing their experiences that hopefully you can pull a little insight from and apply it to your business. Now, in regards to this episode, we hear the phrase collaboration all the time, but what does that really mean when it comes to complex supply chains? Well, CEO of PCS Software, Chris Palma, President of Detmar Logistics, Matt Detmar, and Director of Supply Chain for Bonnie Plants, Gabriel Paradis, joins me live in San Antonio to talk about how they've enhanced collaboration and technology with the learning lessons of 2020. There's a lot of valuable nuggets in here that I think you guys are going to love, so I hope y'all enjoy. All right, well, welcome into the live Cyberly edition. Cyberly hits the road. I'm your host, Blythe Brunley, and we have three fantastic guests with us today. We have Mr. Gabriel. He is the Director of Supply Chain for Bonnie Plants. We have Chris Palema from the CEO of PCS Software. And then we have Matt Detmar, President of Detmar Logistics. And welcome into the first conference of the year since a lot of us for 2019. Yes. Is this uh, is this all of your first conference? I imagine since since the pandemic, yeah, pretty much since nineteen. Yeah, so yeah. We we've had one or two just in our um, since in Fort Worth, and one actually here in San Antonio as well. Kind of the tail end of last year, going into this year. So it's it's slowly, but this is definitely the biggest one we've been to. So and so the nicest you, as well. So well, so did you job, actually Chris. have to? Yeah, shout out to, to <laughs> yeah. PCS because this has been a fantastic event so far. It's only day one, but yesterday you could definitely feel the energy coming back. I was doing some one-on-one interviews and one of the first questions that I asked everybody is, was there any sort of hesitation on coming to, to committing to a conference and resounding no, everybody wanted to be back. Was that sort of your, your feeling initially? Yeah, it, it, I think it's a good opportunity to network and get back on the road, right? And, and hear about what everybody's doing and it's been like an interesting year. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I think it has for everyone, yeah. Yeah. It's good to be face to face and, you know, get to interact socially, which, you know, we're social beings. So it's good to get back in that setting and, and be and be amongst peers and, and, uh, and yeah, get to socialize. And yeah, definitely. I, I think you get so much more. I, I've been, I'm fortunate enough to, to do a lot of conversations through Zooms and I'm sure, you know, a lot of us have. And it's almost, I see you almost like, oh, I don't want to do another Zoom. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel the same way because you just get so much more interaction i think with with in person conversations than than what you do with with a, more of a traditional setting like a like a zoom meeting um so have you have you guys started formulating those relationships and started i, I guess evolving those relationships or is it a lot of the same people that that you've already seen at, at previous conferences is it almost like a reunion or or meeting new faces for for me particularly it's new, a lot of new faces mm-hmm. so we're just uh new in the family with pcs and Right. Starting that journey, so it's been good to network and hear from other people who's down the path and you know learning, learning hmm. a lot. We worked hard to make sure that we have both shippers, carriers, brokers, partners. So it's a, I think it's a pretty dynamic mix. Um, our focus was to bring together those that could help each other's business further the most. Now hmm. the invitation was broad and wide, but in reality, I think the mix that actually showed the best quote that I heard yesterday over over dinner was. Um, you know, in the cocktail hour, uh, the hors d'oeuvres that were being passed around, whether it's one hop or two hop, there was wild horses weren't going to keep me away from this event because it's the chance to network mm-hmm. as we come on the backside of COVID and get a jump on the back half of the year and as we get into next year. You just can't replace the in-person dynamic 
with a Zoom meeting or with a Teams meeting. I mean, it's the reality of it. You can't. And so he was super eager. It was Steve, a uh, uh, newer uh, partner of ours, and was eager, I think, to, you know, to meet and network. So. And so, by, by obviously, the, the reason that we're here is we're, we're sharing insight and information on technology. Collaboration is, is a huge theme among this event with Ignite. Um, how have you guys started using collaboration with your, your technology offerings? Are, are you finding it more, I guess, more challenging now with almost like data overload? Or are you finding tools that, that are making it a little bit more of an easier process um, to, to streamline a lot of your processes? Uh, we, we, we use PCS. PCS has been a great tool and, you know, they've done a lot of good updates recently. We're able to use data to make a lot of decisions and, you know, sometimes we're able to get a lot of data, but, you know, the more data we have, the better decisions we can make. So, you know, um, is, you know, data overload, you know, not, not necessarily, we you know, pretty much what we're looking for, but it's always good. We're looking through different reports and able to find something and find numbers and data that we might have not used once before that we can use to make decisions to, to, to help us progress. I think that that's a common theme. I think with a lot of companies is that they're 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 trying to figure out ways to use the information that they have at hand in order to to better their operations. And, and speaking of operations, and even backing it up just a little bit, um, can each of you give sort of a you know a, a, a an elevator pitch of of who you are and what company that that you're representing? I'll start Sorry? with you, Gabriel. Well, I, I work for Bonnie Plants. Bonnie Plants is the largest uh, distributor of uh, veggies, herbs, and uh, flowers across the United States. We have about 78 sites distributed in every region. Uh, you know, we've been in business for about 100 years. So uh, we, we control a lot of the market with the big retailers. And, you know, pretty much everybody in America has a Bonnie plant if they have a garden or a flower. <laughs> So, <laughs> so a lot of a lot of those customers, you know, have been customers for a long, long mm. time. So, for us, technology distributing, getting the product in the right place at the right time is one of the, you know, it's, it's core for the business. Mm. It's as it's as core as growing it. So, um, I'm I, I would I'm super excited to dive into the growth of of the plant market, especially <laughs> among the millennial generation. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that question here in a second. But Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit um, about your backstory? Because obviously, it's extensive. You're you're a serial entrepreneur. I, I am. I'm, so I joined PCS a couple of years ago to help it grow in market. Uh, we see an opportunity to bring uh, a platform using based on data, really. So it's we have terabytes, over 15 terabytes. In fact, it's growing a terabyte. So to, to give you an idea, this room is 40 feet by about 30 feet rectangular, and the ceilings are about 22 feet in height. And if you were to print off a terabyte front and back of the page, spread it normal on a, just a, as you would a book, right, in size, a terabyte would fill about a third of this room. So you can imagine in terms of volume just how much data we have. We're adding a terabyte. We're adding that much on a quarterly basis. And so to be able to bring a platform, right, with all its capability and services to each of our customers in market and future customers in market, they can get it in one place. It's all centralized data. It can be overload if you're as a business, if you don't know how to consume the data, that mm. is to say how to read the data as it's coming to you, but we're here to help them. And our purpose is to centralize that data. My background, yes, serial entrepreneur. I've been uh, large companies like uh, Microsoft and Sun, Sun Microsystems in my past. I was an executive for them. And, and uh, I've also uh, been in uh, technology for over 35 years with some of them small businesses that we've been able to grow from 10 million to over 200 million in, in revenue. Uh, some of them, uh, without knowing it, you may not recognize it. You actually use some of those technologies uh, in market. We were the first to bring uh, basically SaaS cloud business in 97, 98. We went public in 2000, a company that AT&T acquired. It's their business hosting today. It's a company called USI or US Internetworking. Bringing that kind of platform and technology and the power for what amounts to, in many cases, can be as little as a cup of coffee on a daily basis can get you entry level onto this platform so that you carriers and shippers can talk to each other, hmm. so that you can use the rich data to truly grow your business and spend time working on your business, not spend time working in your business. I love that. And that's what we're all about. Uh, yeah, I, I think that you guys are definitely doing. I, I watched a, a seminar earlier today that, that talked about automating 90% of your TMS work. 
and just seeing the the user right. interface and just the the simplicity of having a browser based TMS just goes significantly farther for a, a, a technology or a, a company that that's trying to achieve some of those I guess those challenges that they're dealing with today with right. some of the application based programs. Absolutely. And what about you, Matt? What's your what's your background? Give the, um, give the elevator pitch for the yeah. Folks. No, I'm a CEO of Detmar Logistics. We've been in business for about eight years now. Started in 2013, so we're in our eighth year. Um, and we're uh, primarily a uh, frac sand logistics provider, asset-based um, in the oil and oil and gas industry, um, specifically the Permian Basin. Um, so uh, we've we've done that. We've grown significantly over time. At, at our peak, which was in the 2018 area, we were around two, 330 tractors. Today, we're about 170 due to fluctuating sizes, owner-operators, and COVID took a significant hit uh, mm. to just to our business and oil and gas market and business all the way around. But so um, that's where we're at today. Um, 120 of those assets are company owned and we have own 200 traders as well. But uh, what we're doing is we're doing a big push to, uh, to uh, electrification of our tractors. Um, and we partner with Hylion on that to, uh, to uh, start to look at achieving that also using alternative fuels to power the electrification of the units. So um, it's, uh, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been very interesting so far. And Hylion has been a great partner to work with on that aspect of it. And we're really excited to see what the, what the future holds on that. Yeah, I definitely love to dive into more uh, of that partnership because I've been reading a few blog articles that, that you guys have or, or press releases that you guys have put out mm -hmm. um, about that partnership. It sounds really exciting. Um, but the reason that we're all here today is is because this is PCS's first event, first first conference ever. What was, Chris, what was the catalyst to, to say, I want to have a conference? Yes. And, and why this, why now? Yeah, great question. So, quite literally had a customer banging on a debt. Now, mind you, this is on a conference call, not even a video call, <laughs> banging on a conference call. And this is one of our larger carriers. Mm. You know, with 1,300 customers, I take a lot of calls. I feel a lot of input, right? Mm. They're uh, not bashful in, in giving input, both carriers and shippers, but one of our largest banging on the desk. You know, you keep talking about, and this happened to be asset tracking and management and visibility, I want to see you put this into play. I want to see you do something with this. And it was at that moment, the aha moment of, hey, it's time for us to get our carriers and shippers together and really start to bridge that divide and that gap and bring them together, one, so that conversation can happen, two, so that information sharing on all the blind spots and the non-transparencies can begin to share, uh, but also the in-person networking. I think everybody's eager, right? And this was... So this call was, I want to say it was April of 2000. It was like, okay, we're going to do this. And then, you know, by then COVID is blazing and everybody's on their heels. Now, we've been lucky enough. We've been in the office um, the entire time. We've missed three weeks of the last two years outside of the office. We have been in the office. No COVID outbreaks. We manage it very tightly. It masks in the office. We do support and proponents of vaccines. We're, you know, no surprise, we're technologists use technology right <laughs> uh you know and when you look at the, the johns hopkins covid center and the statistics it would tell you get the vaccine you have a better chance of passing through it as opposed to not whether it's johnson johnson moderna or pfizer go get the vaccine and so we all did that and have been safe in the office been working in the office but it was a customer hmm. that sort of that we listen I, I took note of it covid happened we recovered as we got into May, June of next year. Now, mind you, we had so many waves, right? In sure. society, it was a constant. You're constantly battling it. We actually began planning for Ignite uh, the fourth quarter of last year, and it began in earnest in February. We committed some serious money to make sure that this conference could happen in August, thinking it would give us enough time. And, um, you know, we have nice turnout. Uh, those that actually registered were like 98%, just over 98% of those that registered to be here are here. Oh, wow. And so, so it's really like moving high. that collaborativeness of the platform and the ethos that you guys have built into right. a, an, an environment for in-person. Right. And I, I think it's, does it, uh, I, I guess maybe from like um, like a pride level or maybe like a easing back into, you know, the new normal is what people keep calling it. Did you, did you want to be the first one back or were there any kind of, I guess, sort of hesitations in order, well, maybe it's not the right time or was it, no, we need to be the leaders in this. <laughs> Rip the bandaid off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, it's, uh, you know, the quote, it's kind of a, you know, the playwright who actually wrote this did a great job. 
it's Yoda's phrase, do right or do, do or not. do not. <laughs> exactly. There is no try. And mm-hmm. so when we decided that we were in fourth quarter of last year, we were in. Hmm. We were doing this. It was a question of selection, selecting the site, making sure that we could begin broadcasting, get the information, get, get the news out, put together a, a first-rate program around content that really matters hmm. and would really bring our customers and prospects and partners and bring the market together. And the fact that we hit the timing right and when it actually came to market, for us, uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky in yeah. that sense, right? Right after as COVID's starting to come back down, we kind of hit it just right, although with the Delta uh, variant, right, it's starting to come back up. But so it's been good for us. But I think, I it's, think it's, it's, it's also culturally significant as well. I, I think that there there's something to say about a company that says we want to be leaders in this respect. And then also the people that show up to the conference as well. That there's a certain kind of entrepreneurial spirit, a certain kind of leadership uh, per- perception that you, you have to have in order to, to say, no, the, the time is right to get back out into the world. Would you guys agree? Or? On that note, I have to say. Here you've got a, a nice sized carrier <laughs> jumping into the EV space. Talk about entrepreneurship. Talk about <laughs> leading. And honestly, over here you've got a hundred. I mean, think about this. You have a hundred year company and you've got a gentleman that's leading the logistics team to grow not just in terms of their base product as they always have over the last hundred years, but our opener, Laura Cicera, I think said it right when she said, You've got to think hard about unthinking what you've mm. learned all of those decades so that you can grow your, you know, Gabe and I were just having this conversation outside, grow your business in a way that is not traditional just based off your product, but leverage logistics to be in market at the right place at the right time so that you can get the optimum value for your product in market. I love that because there, obviously there has been so many changes over the last year and a lot of these changes, people have been forced like kicking and screaming mm-hmm. to go into these changes. But some of those adjustments are, are kind of uh, putting the trends on on steroids that already existed. Uh, one of those I know specifically among the millennial generation is that the buying of plants in order to, yes. I, I read a study that it, it, millennials are having um, children later in life, if at all. So they're supplementing that need, that biological need with plants and pets. <laughs> and that's great for, and that's great for your, your business. Yeah, there are some estimates that there's about 21 million new customers that came into the, you know, uh, horticultural business during the, the pandemic. So, you know, the challenge is now how do you retain them? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people found that getting a garden like their parents is therapeutic, that they, they mm-hmm. can relax and taking care of a plant and they have the time. Now when you start getting back into the conflict and interest is like, how do we provide them with an experience that make it easy for them so they stay engaged with the, with the category. So. And how are you guys practicing? Re- re- I didn't even think of the, the fact that you have to practice retaining customers with plants. What are some of those strategies that, that, that you guys are approaching customers with? Well, you know, with? the generations are changing. So in the same way, we're trying to introduce new varieties that are, you know, compact, that they doesn't require in that much space, that mm-hmm. they can grow pretty well in pots. You know, there's a lot of people who doesn't have the half an acre to grow a garden. But if you have a compact garden that you can put in in a pot and you have a bush that is going to provide you with a product and you have a sunny spot or products that doesn't require full sun that they can grow well with partial sun. So, so it's all that technology put into the benefit of the consumer. You know, you start engaging that new generation. Uh, there's this year we launch a, a line of hot peppers. Because there's a huge market for that, you know. There's a there's a lot of people who's looking for those super hot peppers hybrids, and 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 they wanna they wanna grow them, they wanna make their salsas, and they they wanna have it with their chips and. It's, it's been an interesting experience. To, and to and this almost might be going a little too deep in, into this, but where are you, I guess, finding the, I guess, the market research or the insight that, hey, people are, I guess, maybe buying a lot of hot sauce and then that, that trends into buying a lot of hot peppers so then they can, you know, keep that, I guess, they retain, retain the customers it, it, in the it's, future. It's part of our R&D group. They do a very good job on trying new things and then also finding the right sources, the hmm. right vendors who are, you know, doing that research and, and bring it up to us and, you know, doing the testing. You know, the, the life goods business has two, two sections on the R&D. First, you can develop a new priority. Then you need to make sure that you can industrialize it, that hmm. you can make it in mass and that you can distribute it. And it's going to grow well in a country like the U.S. where you have five or six different climate zones. 
or hardiness zones that we call. So, you know, you have all the way to southern Florida, which is super hot and humid, and you have all the way up to Maine, which has primarily five weeks of summer. So how do you make the same variety to grow hmm. in each one of those markets. Oh, okay. wow, that's fascinating. So it, it really is like you're trying to, to a, a appeal to all of these different demographics within the U.S. Uh, how, take me back to, I guess, sort of the origins. Who's Bonnie? So Bonnie is uh, it's an Alabama-based company. They started back in 1918, and they started by selling veggies uh, that they were growing, and they were they were selling them in bunches. So they were taking it out of the ground, they were putting wrapping up in paper, and they were sending it in crates. So people was taking those plants and then transplanting into their uh, into their own gardens. Back in the eighties, that's when we introduced the potted plant. Hmm. So now people can have it in a little pot, take it to their houses, and and you know we continue to innovate and in, into how to how to make those plans get to the customer in the, in the best way. I have to say, a true confession. So my 22-year-old daughter, no kidding, two and a half months ago, you want to talk about coincidence. So um, she's senior uh, University of Colorado in Denver, Colorado, and in the back, uh, you know, she's got, it's not a half an acre, but she has, you know, a sizable backyard uh, where she is. And she takes her phone, turns it around, does this panorama, and she's got a garden just my dot. This is. I'm like, really? My 22 year old daughter who spends her time like Facebook, Twitter, right? And she's always out with friends. Found time, and just exactly to your point, during COVID, she went and planted. Literally, she's got this walk area that she walks in between. So, I mean, constructed this garden in kind of this S fashion in the backyard, where she's got like over a hundred plants that she's growing and cultivating. Sounds like me. <laughs> I, 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 I was blown away. I was like, wow. There's a sense of accomplishment. You know, it's yeah, something they're putting in the ground, you're putting the time, you're putting the love, and, you yeah. know, at some point you start getting the fruit, yeah, right? Yeah. So There's yeah. actually a funny meme that, that is making the rounds that, that talks about, you know, all of the work and the money that you spend in uh, having growing your own vegetables, right. and it's for an end product of, of a pepper or a tomato or, that you yeah. can buy at the <laughs> store for a dollar <laughs> or less. But it's so much more, to your point, it's so much more beneficial to grow that yourself. Like I, I keep basil and fresh herbs, uh, bonnie mm. plants on, on my porch. Um, and I use them every day in cooking. And it's just that much more. It just means a little bit more to, to grow it yourself. Well, yeah, but, but we go even beyond that. We, ha we have some partnerships where we are asking people. There's people who has big gardens and the product that they get is more than what they can consume, more than what their neighbors mm. can consume. But there's a lot of pantries and, and, you know, places for people that can go and get that food. So mm. we're we're encouraging people who has excess product to donate. I to, love that. To take it to to these different places where they can give their extra product and then people can come and get it because you know feeding Americans it's it's a reality. You know there's people who's struggling to get there so you know this is a good way you can bring back to the community. So we have a lot that. of uh, initiatives around mm. that. What about you, Matt? Are you growing any plants? I am not. No, no. I, I live in an apartment. I have. I don't, I don't have a yard quite yet. That'll be in the future, though. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need some potted plants. Yeah, that's what I yeah, do. It's, uh, yeah. it's you're limited on sun and yeah. space, so the, the potted plants go, goes a long way. Um, I guess speaking of, of moving into what's better for, for Mother Earth, you're actually you're, you're, your company is, is making some transitions right. into to moving into electric vehicles. You you just signed a, a, a deal with Hylion. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that partnership and what you're hoping yeah, to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking with them since probably about September, October of last year. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, we're looking at the different type of electrification models and uh, different types of Class 8 tractors that are available. And what we saw from Hylion was much different than what we saw from what uh, most of the competitors in the space were doing. Hmm. And in the fact that they were... You know, starting with the uh, with you know uh, the current tractor because um, the the current manufacturers have done a great job as far as making the fuel efficient diesel the best they can. So what what Hylion's approach was is to uh, use the electric powertrain uh, that uses regenerative braking to uh, to charge a, a, a battery box on board and uses a look ahead feature to figure out when to kick on the battery torque mm -hmm. to uh, figure out when, you know to be able to use the fuel in the most efficient way possible. Um, so their next step. 
um, is the uh, ERX model, which is we did uh, sign the uh, pre-order with them on uh, 300 units, uh, which we're, we're very excited about. Um, wow. But the electrification process of it, and, and it works in our field, and I'll explain that here in a second, is why it'd be best for our, our field and what we do. Um, the ERX uses uh, CNG uh, or, or RNG, which is a route that we're looking at going um, to uh, essentially fuel gener generator that's under the hood, which is charging the batteries, which would be kind of where the saddlebags are in the truck, and simultaneously using the uh, regenerator braking with the electric axle to charge the batteries as well. Now, it's harnessing that battery power uh, that comes from the generator and the uh, electric axle to charge to uh, power an e-motor. So it's a full electric propulsion unit, essentially with a natural gas power plant on board. <laughs> and what we're seeing is, so again, we're in oil and gas. So, uh, and this is more so on the CNG side. Um, what we're seeing is flaring has been the biggest greenhouse gas emitter, uh, one of the biggest problems in oil and gas uh, as far as it, you know, um, yeah, putting emissions out into the environment. Is that what flaring is? Flaring is, yes. Yeah. So flaring okay. is essentially there's so much gas coming off, they have nowhere to put it. Hmm. So, uh, so what they have to do is essentially burn it, just burn, burn it. it off into the environment. So that is, uh, has been a, you know, a huge process, huge step moving forward to be able to capture that and use that methane to convert it to compressed natural gas. And we're seeing it used in dual fuel frack fleets, dual fuel drilling rigs, or, or all electric and how those electric frack fleets work. It uses natural gas to fuel, you know, a very large, very large generator that's uh, powering the all electric equipment. And of course, with electric, you're able to produce more horsepower. And different things like that. Torque is higher and too. Tor yeah. Torque is mm -hmm. immensely higher. Yeah. Um, that's what we've noticed. That's when our, our drivers first, uh, um, first thing they noticed on the uh, power trains we've done is the, uh, the torque that they're able to, uh, to right. get off that. So, um, so it's, it's, it's also helping with driver retention, which is fantastic. Um, but with those units, they're able to fill with CNG and they're projected to have a thousand mile range. Um, and so it's, you know, it's essentially fully electrified with natural gas power plant on board. Um, they can have a thousand mile range and we're not, you know, limited to 400, 500 mile range, let's say at tops. <laughs> not only that, but with excessive amount of battery packs that is reducing our payload. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a very good model for, for what we're trying to do. And, being in oil and gas, our you know our industry is expected to get to net zero um, quicker than anybody else, especially on oil production. So, um, what we do is you know for for a frac site, um, you know we're on on one well we're delivering five million pounds a day, so it's 100, 100 truckloads a day. So if you look at that, the carbon intensity over that. It's, it's huge. So as we go look to using alternative fuels, and we're, we're in talks with Hylion and, and, a, and a natural gas company that are partnered with on potentially using RNG, which would put us in the net negative hmm. category. So um, essentially, we, we thought that, that would be the best model uh, for us to move forward and the best electrification model that would be out. Um, and, you know, not only for the near term, but for the future as well, because, again, the range is there. Um, the potential be net negative is there because also if you're using 100% battery power, let's say if you're driving a Tesla in, in Austin, Texas, you know, Austin is mainly coal powered. So if you're using uh, coal powered um, electricity from from the grid, you're essentially on the back end, yeah, emitting carbon that way. Right. So to be ability to use the CNG from the flaring, which is once a, once a waste product, not essentially RNG, but going to RNG puts us would put us in a net negative mm -hmm. category. So. Being able to get to those fuels and use electrification to do it and partner with Hylion just seemed like a full win-win for us across the board. I, I heard you say earlier that it, it, because you, you you work in you know sort of the the, the shipping that you do is sort right. of an oxymoron to, to yeah, getting right, the yeah. electric trucks. How are you? I guess is that how your your negative net zero is that how you're kind of combating? Um, I guess that perception that correct. Well, and I mean you know I was listening to a few earnings calls from our. Uh, our customers, uh, and I mean, if you look at, you know, from many, many of the energy companies is they're being pressured by investors and shareholders to, uh, you know, to have a strong ESG and a strong sustainability report. So, um, us going this route, uh, helps our customers achieve their goals as well. Hmm. Um, so again, they're, um, the, the industry is, is under much more pressure than a lot more to be able to get to a net zero oil production. So there you go. You just heard it right here. If you're looking to reduce carbon footprint, 
<laughs> you're in energy. <laughs> you, you absolutely need to look up Matt and Detmar Logistics because this guy can take your number negative. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it's a, that, no, that, no worries. I do. I love the enthusiasm. When, when you talk about entrepreneurs, right? What yeah. talk about leading, right? Not following, right? Same thing. Uh, it's just it's an amazing place to I think to be to sit between two customers like this who are leading their market segments and really just us as people should be just elated what Matt is doing mm -hmm. in terms of reducing the carbon footprint. I mean, that's good for us. Absolutely. That's very good for and, us. And it's good for all folks involved. I, I think uh, one of the, the things that I struggle with is, is, or not I struggle with, but from a, a, a decision-making wise, why why highly on and not maybe some of the other competitors on the market? So a lot of it kind of reverts back to, I mean, if you know, Tesla pushed their, their orders back recently. That's, that's no secret. Um, but, um, again, with the charging, so, you know, in like the eCascadia, and, you know, don't, don't quote me on this, you know, exact specifications, <laughs> sure. but I think it was about a 300 mile range, you know, 200, 300 mile range. Now our trucks are going 400, 500 miles a day, let's say on average. And to put them sidelined for a charging port that could take four, five, six, seven hours, and, you know, affects our utilization immensely. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, you look at the cost of the unit, the cost of operating it, then you have that much downtime along with a limited amount of miles. And then a lot of our work is essentially paid off payload as well. So if we, and the ERX is expected to be, you know, around a decent tear weight that we're seeing on conventional tractors to the state. Um, so we're, um, plus not only that, because it's CNG as well, there is extra stipulation for CNG where you can carry an extra ton. So we're seeing an extra, extra ton for payload as well, but um, and the range is a big factor as well. Plus um, the amount of CNG that's widely available where we're at right now. And, you know, not on the RNG side, but what we're seeing on the CNG side in Permian is looking at like about a dollar thirty diesel gallon equivalent. So you're looking at immense reductions in fuel costs, what the range that's there, um, you know, a very short fueling time. Um, but also these trucks are expected to have a charging deck. And actually they came out with a, a statement, I believe, last week that um, uh, they're looking at getting approved or if they have not been approved yet to be a net zero uh, vehicle for the state of California. And that's because the uh, batteries will have a full 75 mile range hmm. um, on them. So um, so it's it's very, it's fully electrified, uh, again, but it, it runs off of fuel that, that is sustainable in, in here today. And the drivers love it. And the you, yeah. you said that, you mentioned earlier that it's been helping with driver retention. Can, right. can you tell us a little bit about some of the reasons that the drivers love it? Well, I mean, we have we have five of powertrains right now, but the drivers that are in them right now are, are loving them. <laughs> they, I mean, um, uh, they're just they're loving the extra power that's on them. They're loving the technology. They, they love to be a part of something new and it's going to be beneficial for generations to come. And I they're, think on the too, forefront, they're on the not forefront, not on the back end. Right. And it sort of alleviates that this is an opportunity for them to embrace technology versus like autonomous trucks where it's almost scary. Like right, that, right. that's what's going to take my right. job. And, and when, when we took them to do the training, um, they were fired up about it. So it was, it's really, and it's really good to see, you know, members of your team being fired up about the, yeah. about the path you're taking moving forward. So, um, you know, it's, you know, and there's, you know, there's a lot of old school mentality to trucking too. So mm -hmm. to take them there and then see the facility. Um, see the trucks, drive the trucks, and, and see the excitement, and, and, and listen to the questions they have to ask as well. It's, uh, it's, it, was, it was very cool to see. Probably really impactful too to, to have them involved in that process, and then see it evolve to now you're 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 securing you know 300 additional trucks. I'm sure it gets the yeah. the rest of the guys excited as well. Absolutely, <laughs> they are your new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time that this will air, each of you are giving either a, a keynote or a part of a panel discussion. Um, um, some of you have, have maybe already completed that already. So give us one takeaway from your presentation or your talk that you would hope that people would leave with. I'll start with you, Gabriel. Well, you know, in my case, it's about how technology is evolving. We, we're going to talk, we're, we're talking about the two lines of technology as more data is being produced. You know, there's, there's the new trucks, more information system, better GPS, more things to track in each one of those, those vehicles. But then at the same time, what do you do with that data? Hmm. Now you have millions and millions and millions of data points. How do you make them useful to improve service, to reduce your costs, to make it beneficial for your company? I think that is the next transition uh, from a technology standpoint. How do you take all that data that is now available and do something with it? Hmm. You know, it's, it's, 
And obviously you guys are using that data in, in your own use case by, by figuring out which plants can grow in five different regions of the country. And we are also trying to look at ten, uh, the trends, you know, what is the consumer, cons you know, buying in certain areas and make sure that we have the right levels of stock in those places. And I think too, I, I saw a study that it's very difficult for retailers to keep up with the trendy plants that are, are, are popular on social media, you know, Instagram friendly plants. Um, are, are you guys seeing any of that in sort of your, your data? reports or is that early too early in the game maybe the live goods market is a long-term market <laughs> so for certain type of plants you are talking about two years to develop the whole plan you need to have a mom plant and a dad plant and then they have the seed and then that seed so it's about 18 months so you kind of need to be in the forefront mm. and make a decision of how many of these plants do i need so Getting all these data is helping us to get there. To and especially able. from a growing perspective, too, because if a, a plant starts hitting it and going viral on, on social media, then it, it's not as a, a quick adjustment as you exactly. probably would like. If there's not enough seed available, you're, you're only going to have as much as you have for that year. Oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating how you're using data in that respect. What, what about you, Chris? What's one takeaway that you hope the audience will leave with? Yes, well, I think it's simplicity, an AI platform for our market, for our customers, and the simplicity of it. It's bringing shippers and carriers together on a single platform to where they truly can exchange data in a way that, you know, I'll go back to us. We spent quite a bit on uh, some external surveys, and the number one ask of our carriers at its core is, where's my next piece of business in the sense, where's my next load? Hmm. And by the way, can you tell me that? you know, days, weeks in advance so that I can plan for it, so that I'm prepared for it, so that I have staff for it, so that I'm not reactive to it. And the number one ask from the shippers is, hey, can you give me visibility when my when my load's going to arrive? When am I going to get it? Is it, where is it? What's the status of it? What's the condition of it? And those are the two number one asks from our carriers and shippers. And we're able, in a very simple way, on a single platform, to bring that together. Yeah. And so in this way, we get to satisfy the number one ask of our shippers. Where's my load? When am I going to get it? Give me visibility to it. So if I'm contracting with carriers, when am I going to get it? And make it easy for me. It shouldn't be a phone call. It shouldn't be complex. If I'm a carrier, I want to do more business with the shipper that I'm moving with today. They're trustworthy. They're transparent. They communicate with me. They give me data up front or the platform gives me data without the shipper having to do all that work. And so it's bringing carriers and shippers together on a single platform in a very simple and effective way. And that was one of the, the key points that from the, the you, how you can automate 90% of right. data within your, that, those check calls, those communications, right. you can cut down on all of those things That's because right. the software helps you, helps you automate in ways um, that exist already that are pain points. And then you can focus on developing those relationships and, and furthering those opportunities for so them. So they can work on the business, not in the business. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. And what about you, Matt? What, what's one takeaway that you hope? So I was on the sustainability panel. There was a gentleman named Sam from Hero Technologies, and uh, what he said, you know, really stuck as far as as far as sustainability. And, and what it is is that, you know, to get to a sustainable future, is it's best for us all to share our best practices and what works, what doesn't, and what's getting us to sustainability in the future. Because, of course, you know, we all have, you know, or you know, we're all, you know, not not. Not all of us three, but we all have our competitors in a certain sense. But you know, when it gets when it comes to a sustainability standpoint, it's best to share best practices we've seen to create a sustainable future. You know, That's just right. for you know, not just business, but just for you know, entire entire world. Yeah. Collaboration over competition is it works for a lot of different industries. And so, uh, what are for each of you? What are a couple of things that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago? Collaboration. I think it has resonated a lot that we need to share more information between the shippers, the carriers. Uh, you know, there's this big question about do we have a driver shortage or we're not utilizing the hours the best way, but it's because we're not communicating and, you know, we're shipping a lot of empties and should we be communicating so we can take advantage of those empties and, and make it productive and not utilize those hours. Uh, in a bad way, like we're doing today. So it's it's just about collaboration, all those opportunities that I can see across the industry also. Right. Good insight. Chris, what about you? So I'd have to say, you know, Laura Ciceri, uh, our, our key guest uh, keynote, uh, brought up a point that was, I think, very relevant, and that is, you know, those those qualified, informed identifiers for loads and for traceability 
and without a single standard across the industry, the ability in the data. So as we bring carriers and shippers together, say, on PCS platform, the ability to track and trace, because outside of food we eat, generally speaking, we don't produce it in this country, mm. right? It comes by sea, and, sea land, and air, um, whether it's rail from Mexico or whether it's uh, high, high quality and it's in from Asia on an airplane or whether it's on a 6,000 container ship coming in from mainland China or from Western, from Italy, as an mm. example. Without you being able to uniquely identify and track, right, your individual parcel and then your freight that you're bringing over and where it is, you don't have any hope of creating that trans, that's true um, visibility mm -hmm. that you can, whether you're shipper or carrier, eliminate what is that waste that is naturally occurring today in supply chain logistics. You can just bring more technology, but without that traceability mm -hmm. and those unique identifier, those qualified values that, that QR code on the individual parcel that is unique to that parcel that is a set standard across industry, it's hard to truly know and then share where your, and as you share, be able to take advantage of that, where your inefficiencies are and stamp them out, whether it's backhaul, headhaul, dead, deadhead, in between, whether it's um, workforce, staffing, retention of employees, onboarding, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I think that was spot on. I think that's exactly yeah. right. There's Probably so much innovation happening, and there's so many more opportunities that are presenting itself, I right. think, now with, with the more information that we have at hand. What about you, Matt? What, what's something you've been thinking about? I, I, I hate to copy answers, but but, <laughs> but, but collaboration is, is a big one, especially, you know, because we're, you know, we're in a specialized sector, and, and a lot of people are here as well. And everyone has a different viewpoint on, mm -hmm. on it. And, you know, talking to people and, and learning other people's viewpoint on different aspects of, you know, whatever it may be is, it, you know, it gives you a certain sense, you know, or helps you see a life you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. And it makes, makes a lot of things snap if, you know, because you're, you're, you're hearing, hearing it from a totally different perspective and it looked, um, you know, it was being viewed from a totally different viewpoint. So. Collaboration, I think, is is definitely something that uh, that is a big takeaway for okay, me. Okay, well, since you borrowed an answer from somebody else, I'm going to go to you with this next question because okay. we got time for a couple more questions. Okay. What is, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask, but what is one of the one is a uh, favorite mistake that you've ever made? Ooh, favorite mistake. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because people resonate so much more, I think, with, with, with not necessarily failures, but um, mistakes that you make along the way that ended up turning out for the best. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe like a learning experience that you've had in the past or, or you know, maybe a deal that didn't go through that ended up turning out to be the best. I would say acting too quickly without having all the information uh, mm -hmm. at hand. Um, I came around, I was reading something a little bit ago, and... Um, I don't know if it was somebody who's quoting Warren Buffett or something like that, but it's you look at a situation and, and trying to trying to make a decision on something, you kinda of ask, all right, what's the dumbest thing I can do? And not do that. So I'd say that's one of the biggest biggest mistakes I would say is acting on decision without fully grasping all the information at hand. Hmm. That's a good one. What about you, Chris? What's your not favorite? Not trusting mistake? experience. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've been doing this over thirty five years and we happen to be in a segment of the business that I knew was the wrong segment to be in. And I don't mean vertical. I don't mean segmentation. I mean, we're a SaaS software company, right? We're a, a group of people that bring software technology for the benefit of our customers so that they can save time, make money, right? And we had stepped into a foray of hardware. And as quick as we stepped in, we stepped back out. Hardware, you have to be set up for it. You need an entire... Um, machine, if you will. You need infrastructure for it. You need not just people, you need technology, you need tracking. And so we had stepped into a foray of hardware. I knew it when, we, when I first saw it, heard about it, smelt it. That's not the place we want to be. And the mistake I made is I probably didn't kill it fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> I let it go an extra month or two. At, at the unfortunate, um, you know, of some of our customers that were that we were trying to stand up on that technology, and that's not our strength. Got to play to your strength, and uh, so I would say, trust your experience. Hmm. 
I love that. Yeah, that, that's really good insight. I think a lot of people can find value in, in, in that, knowing when, what is it, Gary V says that, um, it's sort of similar, but he says uh, hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. Right. So in a similar situation, you, you, you make a bet and then, you know, right. if it doesn't work out, you, you cut your losses and go. Right. What about you, Gabriel? What's, what's your favorite mistake? My favorite mistake is probably not preparing enough for change and mm. making a lot of assumptions of how people is going to take it, what people is going to react. It's so logical. It looks like, you know, it's a natural progression, but it's not the case. Mm. There's, you need to prepare for change. You need to analyze it from multiple angles. And even if it's a logical choice to move forward, not everybody's going to be on board. Not everybody's going to see it from that perspective. So, you know, we, we probably have accelerated change faster than what we should and you know we are learning from those experiences and going back to the drawing board taking advantage of the experience and you know go slow hmm. but, but secure that we're going to have good steps to where we want to go absolutely and so with uh with one of my final questions anything that you guys have are, are working on currently or, or, or coming out maybe in the near future that you want to share with the audience or maybe not so not so soon yet <laughs> we have five <laughs> Two of them are brand new. We haven't we haven't yet announced. We're bringing out tomorrow afternoon. So oh, I won't nice. steal thunder, but we have some technology that um, the three north stars for us, which is to save customers time, save them money, and help them make money. And we have two technologies that on the platform. Right, it's not a one-off. Hmm. It's on the platform to enable both carriers and shippers through this technology. Those three that I just mentioned, I'm excited and delighted. And my fear is, and I'll just be totally transparent right here on camera and on your session that says, sure. there's a little worry that after tonight's band, we, right, we've got our country band that's <laughs> going to play. Everybody will enjoy and imbibe this evening. They'll wake up tomorrow morning and they'll either sleep and miss part of it or they'll, they'll decide, no, time for me. I got to get back to work, right? And they'll, they'll miss the afternoon session. And so, uh, that's okay. Hmm? We'll send out announcements on it. But Absolutely. We, so, we do have a couple uh, that we're bringing out. In fact, I would say it's part of what we should be doing hmm. is always innovating, leading, and putting our customers into a position to where they, in an easy way, can take advantage of technology that's available. Use it. Absolutely. And Use so, the resources that you have at hand. Exactly. And where can folks, if they want to, to follow along with the news that you're going to drop tomorrow, which it, when by the time the show airs Thursday, um, will, will likely already be public knowledge, where can they find more of that information out? So two websites that go to the same place, pcssoft.com or pcsexpress.com. PCS, the name of our platform, is Express. <laughs> and so it's pcsexpress.com. Gotcha. That'll get you to that point. Perfect. I'm sure the audience will definitely be checking out uh, those opportunities, especially with what you're working on now and in the future. Well, what right. about you, you two? Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, everybody pretty much knows what our, our, our future plans are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that was kind of the, the big news <laughs> yeah. one earlier in the week. So, uh, so, well, where can folks follow more more of your work, uh, your, your company's work? Um, yeah, the, there will still be some announcements coming out, though, specifically from Hylion as, as we're continuing this journey. So I'd say stay tuned with, with what they're doing. We're we're, we're we're trying to develop more of our web presence. We don't have a you know a really good web presence at the moment, so we're we're uh, we're trying to do that, trying to get more more out there. I guess you could say so. Awesome. But, uh, LinkedIn though, I think is LinkedIn. a good source. LinkedIn is we essentially use LinkedIn. We as, didn't as even our, touch yeah, on Denmark LinkedIn logistics at all. on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, okay. Yeah, Perfect. So, yeah. So, so folks can check out. Uh, your, your, Thank you. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Detmar LinkedIn page yeah. because that's really where the, that's the right. opportunities. It's been so crazy to watch the growth of, of or the transition. I guess I should say of the perception of LinkedIn over the last year. It's really right. become the go-to social media platform. Yeah, for sure. And what about you, Gabriel? Well, any, any last news? Uh, where can people follow we, more of your work? We we have a lot of things in, in on the shelf. You know, I I just tell people go to bonnieplans.com. There's always something going on there. You know, we have our e-commerce platform, so you can get your plans shipped directly to your. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. There, so you can you can buy them. They ship to your door. You you can have oh, them wow. at any time. I probably shouldn't know that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and like I can mention, you know, as people is getting into the. Uh, the last part of the season, they're collecting their fruits. If there's extra product, you know, we have that partnership with ampleharvest.org. If they want to go to that website, they can get their local pantry. If they have product that they want to donate, that is it. That is you a good said localharvest.org. Am ampleharvest. Ampleharvest.org. Ampleharvest.org. Org. 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 <laughs> they, can, they can find their local pantry and, and uh, 
go and donate the product. Well, perfect. I, we'll make sure to include uh, all of the links that you guys mentioned in the show notes. So folks who, who want to find more about each of your companies, all they have to do is just hit the show notes and then uh, you'll be able to take directly to that and read more and follow more of your guys' work. Um, any last remarks from, from you gentlemen? Any takeaways uh, that you would like to leave the audience with or are you ready to, to go hit the party? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, leverage technology, um, those that are here at the session, I hope, you know, at the conference, I hope everybody's taken full advantage of the conference. It's for everybody's benefit. And I would echo what these two gentlemen had said about collaboration, whether it's at this conference or the next conference. Uh, boy, it's key, right? Especially when you're trying to make a difference in the ecology. Very well put. Trying to remove carbon footprint, go net zero. It's a we and a me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's a perfect way. And that's how we're going to end uh, today's show. Gabriel, Chris, Matt, thank you guys for joining us. Thank and we'll be right back here next week. Another edition of Cyberly on the Road with more interviews from Ignite, hosted by PCS Software. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website, digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, then I think you'll love another show that I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, tech, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on FreightWaves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you. You can find them in the show notes or again over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust and rely on folks like yourself that will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Bremleve and I will see you real soon.